What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Big Show Podcast brought to you by two of us, Alex and Corey. Ethan does not have a voice, so actually, actually, he is here. He just doesn't have a voice, so you won't hear anything from him this time. (laughs) This is going to be a great episode because the two of us get to celebrate together. Uh, So this is going to be a good one. This is going to be a good one. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe, please follow, please leave us a review, do all that stuff to help us out wherever you listen to podcasts. And Corey, let's just jump right into this thing because our school, our team did it again. Those boys went back to back and Michigan wins the Big Ten Championship. 43 to 22, they avoid the spoiler makers. You were there. You saw it live in person. Man, how did it feel? I mean, again, I'm going to have to never like move from Indy ever. Why would I? Because like, not only is Michigan back-to-back Big Ten champs, like they've also made it out of the first weekend of March Madness since I've been here as well. So, like, what? Why? Why would I even? Why would I go anywhere? Like truly, and you also have a fantastic B and B business going during Big Ten Championship Weekend, where literally all of our friends and your family come and stay with you, so they don't have to pay for a hotel. Honestly, it, it's really the perfect setup. And being like fifteen minutes away from Gamebridge Fieldhouse, and then also Lucas Oil, like it's it's honestly, I should just house the Michigan football team here and just set up air mattresses everywhere and like then i'd save the university a ton of money no that's not i'm not going to do that but no it was i mean it was a repeat of last year um i I would say a little bit closer i think purdue played an exceptional game uh the offense was just about as creative as any offense that michigan had faced throughout the entirety of the year and i remember telling myself and like yelling in my seat like they're doing one thing. They are passing the ball, and Michigan couldn't like stop it in the first half. Or at least they were like keeping everything in front, but they were still letting up, you know, significant plays. And that one uh, fake flea flicker, like that was all yeah. over social media, and that's brilliant. Like Michigan sold on that play, and Maccabee, I think he had like yeah, a, like a twenty yard run after that that set up yeah. Purdue for a score. Um, but ultimately. Just like every game, just about that Michigan has played, the talent separated uh, in the second half, and Michigan played their bully ball and ended up showing the rest of the country why they are undefeated and then also why they are the first team in Michigan football history to be 13-0. and This is the first 13-win team in Michigan history, which is like – if you were to tell me as a young little boy walking into the big house during the Rich Rod era that I would see the Michigan Wolverines go 13-0 and and on the cusp of a national championship, uh, I would be like, this team just lost to frickin' 6-6 six and six Oregon in the beginning of the season. I'm, I, they might not beat Ohio State ever again. And now, look, look just the, what a change of events and it's just really cool it's really cool to see the team that my dad grew up watching and falling in love with just pounding everybody like 
come back to that. So that's, it, that was cool. And seeing the ceremony and stuff and being there with my, you know, my dad too, that was cool for, for him. Nice family affair sort of a thing. And back to back big 10 champs. And as JJ McCarthy says, job's not finished. Job is not finished is correct. Yeah. This, I don't know why. I don't know why I still get nervous watching this specific team, at least when they're playing these kinds of opponents, because you said it like they played close in the first half. And then like they've done almost every single game in this season, they, they pulled away and they pulled away in a demonstrative dominating way. Like they were up 14, 13 at half. And you said it, Purdue was just attacking the zone and having Charlie Jones run around. They, Jeff Brown was basically telling Charlie Jones, Hey, go run forward find some space and then stop and Aiden will get you the football. That was what they were doing the whole time. And like has happened, Jesse Minter and Michigan adjusted and they went from being up 14, 13 at halftime to winning the second half 29 to nine to eventually get to the final score. Can can I say something too? Like as much as I've been talking about the Boilermakers in a half kidding, half serious way, like, that offense is legit. Like it is totally legit. And after they figured out a way to figure like to run the ball a little bit more and Maccabi had a pretty impressive game after starting, I think Purdue's first three plays went for negative eight yards in the game. Like they just could not move the ball at all. Charlie Jones without scoring had 160 receiving yards. I think that's the most that any receiver has had against the Michigan secondary all season. That includes Marvin Harrison. So like these dudes balled out and which is a little bit deceiving because Aiden O'Connell didn't even throw a touchdown. He had two interceptions, but he was, I think he had like 50 pass attempts as well. And he was, he wasn't afraid. They were not backing down. They were attacking the Michigan secondary as well. So like Purdue gave it their all and somehow still lost by, (laughs) by like 20 points. So like, well, they did, and like you said, it's just that's the difference in the talent and in the coaching staffs. But to your point, this was the best game I personally have seen Aiden O'Connell play all year, and it's weird to say that because he didn't throw for a touchdown pass, and he did have those two super critical turnovers, which they both happened in the second half. The first one was when they were down 15 and in the red zone with a chance to make it a one-possession game, mm-hmm. and then the second one they were down nine, and gave Michigan a short field, which they scored a touchdown to go up 17. So both times was like Purdue was on the cusp of making this a really close game and and making all the Michigan fans sweat. And then Aiden O'Connell, he did, unfortunately, what he's done kind of time and time again this season, which is just put the ball in harm's way. And Will Johnson made him pay for it. But outside, literally, of those two throws, I thought he played incredibly well. He threw 47 passes. Completed 32, 366 yards. I mean, he he was he was two throws away from having an incredible stat line, an incredible game to make this close with a top two team in the country. So and and coming off of losing his brother too, yeah. like he put it all out there. Charlie Jones put it all out there. It was a not normal. It Purdue's not normally a well coached football team. We don't normally say that about Purdue. They they were in that game. They kept it close as long as they possibly could. And then Michigan did what they did. J.J. had another great game. Super, I won't say super efficient, but
but I guess efficient in terms of scoring and yardage because he only had 11 completions, 161 yards, three touchdowns, and one pick. And then Donovan Edwards continues to to just amaze in Blake Quorum's absence. The dude is a big play machine. He had 185 yards and a touchdown. The Probably the biggest and most important play, too. First play of the second half. It was a – what was it, a 60-yard it a, run? It was just a, the, a counter. He busted out to the outside, made a made a defender miss, and just 50. Now, he didn't just make the defender made miss. I mean, he, like, stopped, untied the dude's cleats, tied them together, and then shimmied and absolutely undressed the man on his way down inside the red zone. It was an incredible move to get into the open field, and – he broke open the game yeah. for Michigan. It, it was just – they were doing everything right. McCarthy had that one interception that was like, what were you doing? Just kind of trying to sling yeah. it. But it ended up being like – It bit. was just like a punt, essentially. Um, Basically, yeah. It didn't really hurt him at all. But, I mean, just dominance this whole season in the Big Ten and even against your arch rival as well. Um, uh, I mean, just like any team, even Georgia – uh, there was some close calls uh, for this for this Wolverines team, um, but you know championship teams figure out ways to overcome, and it's really hard because you you you've talked about resumes and seasons and outcomes this whole year in nauseum, um, and how do you weigh a good team struggling or escaping with a win? Because every team that we see in the college football playoff has done that at least once. Georgia did it against Missouri, and then they struggled a little bit against Kent State. Uh, Michigan, obviously, against Illinois. Uh, uh, TCU uh, scaved by Baylor and won a or lost a heartbreaker in the Big 12 championship. And Ohio State, I mean, they did have the big loss, uh, but uh, Northwestern too in a just a gross, gross game. Uh, where their entire strength was completely taken out, they were still able to figure out a way to win. So maybe I'm going a bit off topic, but for these caliber of college football teams, because I guess it's pretty clear now that these are the four of the best of this season, how do you weigh these close calls? Um, and it it's kind of a bummer. That's like, well, if you're good or you've been good in the past, like it's it shows toughness. If you're not good, yeah. And you struggled. Well, okay, maybe you're really not that good at all. And that's the dialogue that we've had with yeah. TCU. Um, but fact of the matter is, these are the teams that we got. Um, and now we're going to see who's a national champion because I think we've been talking a lot about, too, like this would be the year for a 12-team playoff. But as much as we hate to say it, I think these are the four teams that are probably the best this season. Yeah, I, I 100% think that the committee got it right. So let's take it right into it then, the CFP ranking. So Michigan stays at number two after the win. Georgia stays at number one after a really impressive win over LSU. TCU, despite the loss, stays at three, which you and Ethan called last week. I wasn't sure if they would stay there, but no. they did, no, 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 no. to Don't, be honest. I mean, I love Ethan. I deserve more credit here because I've been saying TCU is in if they have one loss. I've been saying this for five weeks. Don't. You don't, have. don't, I mean, I'll give Ethan the credit with the picks, everything else. No, 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 no. I'm, I get this one. 
All right, everyone, give Corey his roses. Uh, he he called it. He's he's on the Horn Frogs bandwagon. Uh, well, I shouldn't say you're on the bandwagon, but you, I think you're an admirer of the Horn Frogs. I, they're hilarious. Have you seen any of? I mean, we talked about this last week. You seen their social media stuff? The Hypno Toad. The Hypno Toad is hilarious. It's so funny. And then anytime they win a game, they just got some like crazy LSD induced like. <laughs> Like victory montage, it's obscene. Yeah, it's amazing. And then at number four, still backing their way into the college football playoff, Ohio State is right back in it after it felt like the world was ending and they were going to fire Ryan Day and blow it all up because they lost to Michigan. Now they're right back in it and they're ready to go get Georgia. <sighs> So we've got our four, Georgia, Michigan, TCU, Ohio State. Shout out to Penn State, who is at 11 in the CFP rankings. And shout out to literally nobody else in the Big Ten because no one ended Penn up. Penn State's at 11? The top. Penn State dropped out of the top How? 10. Yeah. I don't well, know. I guess Kansas State won, so they're up there. Um, Kansas State, USC is above them. Because USC has like a UCL. Utah, you know why Penn State's at 11? Utah. Penn State's at 11 because Utah. nobody else in the Big Ten was any good. So none of their wins. Play in Utah. That. Utah was 12. And Yeah. So you're going to have to put them so, place. So, okay, I get that. But still, like, it again, it's it's everything we've talked about. What so It seems like some teams get compared on resumes and some teams just get compared with the eye test. And, I mean, we're in the boat that if we look at the eye test, we think Penn State's a pretty good team because, yeah, they didn't beat the two of the – they didn't beat literally the two best teams in the country, arguably, on their schedule. Right. But they right. beat everybody else and pretty convincingly at that fact. So – Yeah, so it's it's one of those things that – you just they didn't have the wins on the schedule, but at the same time, it's not exactly their fault because their schedule was absolutely garbage besides oh, Michigan and Ohio I State. I mean it is their fault because they didn't they... Well it, it yeah. It is their fault for not winning those games, but you know what I mean. So I digress. But so let's we we know where Michigan and Ohio State are gonna be at. Ohio State has to play Georgia in Atlanta, unfortunately for them. Uh, Michigan will play in the Fiesta Bowl in Arizona against TCU. So let's go right into the rest of the bowl games then and shout out the people who made it, which would not be Michigan State. Tough. Uh, on it's real I, tough. I heard, I heard Tuck coming, though. He's still coming. He He's coming. And it's really unfortunate for uh, for the Spartans because they're going to have to wait. He's, he's a little backed up. He's in traffic right now. But he is, he is in fact, coming. Coming. They have an empty vault and an empty trophy case this year. How unfortunate. So December 27th is the first Big Ten Bowl game. The guaranteed rate bowl, Wisconsin goes against Oklahoma State uh, without Graham Mertz. He's in the portal. December 29th, the bad boy mowers pinstripe bowl. Oh, dude. Man, these- don't even get me started. I love the pinstripe bowl. I think that is so cool. Really? I will know because it's in a baseball stadium. I love I love the gimmick. I love there's a Fenway Wasabi Bowl, which they've been trying to play this bowl game for three seasons, and it got bounced because of COVID, and then it got bounced again because both teams got COVID, and they just just canceled the bowl. So this is the first time 
It's like the third, it's the third annual inaugural Fenway Bowl. I hope they actually call it that. I hope that's on the t-shirt. I sure do too. That would be impeccable. But the pinstripe bowl is going to be Minnesota versus Syracuse Ooh. on the 30th is the Duke's Mayo Bowl against Maryland or Maryland versus NC State. The 31st, New Year's Eve is Michigan TCU, Ohio State, Georgia. And then we also get Iowa versus Kentucky. So that's cool. And then January 2nd, Illinois versus Mississippi State in really a quest bowl and then the cheese it citrus bowl cheese it and citrus just does not go together yes. at all but it's going to be purdue versus lsu and then the rose bowl penn state draws utah so we'll figure out who's the better of the two yeah. teams and who deserves to in the top 10 which will be awesome but all right of the games i just named what are you most excited about <sighs> um You've got a lot of like the sicko games, uh, like the Duke. Or just say which one you're most excited about. I, I'm I, okay. Truthfully, I'm excited for the Citrus Bowl. No, you're yes, not. Yes, I am. D- okay, the Duke's Mayo okay, Bowl. Duke I Park. want. Uh, who doesn't love the Duke's Mayo Bowl? The Duke's Mayo Bowl has the best marketing in all of college football. They are officially, unofficially, the the sicko's committee bowl game of the year, just because they're crazy. And whoever wins gets a, a, a mayo bath. So, and then this is actually what we've asked for like three weeks ago in this podcast. We want to see Maryland play a not Big Ten, te- like a not Big Ten team. And now they get that with NC State, which NC State is like a toss up. And Maryland's kind of a toss up too, because it's like which team is going to show up sort of a thing. But honestly, if you put, if you swapped NC State in Maryland in the, like, between conferences, I think you get the same result both times, which is yeah, you're one hundred percent. Which right. is why I think they're doing this game. So this game could look, it could either be a shootout or like zero zero because like both teams are the same and like that's how that works. Like if you're the same, you should you yep. should either go toe for toe or stop everything ever because you've already seen it in practice. So. Okay, sickos out of the way. Honestly, I'm really excited to see what that Purdue offense can do against an LSU SEC defense. I mean, because that I wasn't too high on LSU, but I was high on Purdue. And uh, we finally get a shot to see what like a mid to upper echelon Big Ten, Ten Big Ten team looks like against. Uh, an upper echelon LSU team. And that's what you get with some of these like New Year's Day, January 2nd bowls, whatever. Um, but the, I would argue that the Rose Bowl will probably be the most complete game of the college football bowl season because you have a sixth year or fifth year Sean Clifford. You have a fifth year I think Cameron rising and those guys are going to have to play more to show like hey like in the draft because like these guys are not going to be like future NFL like starting quarterbacks so they're fighting they're fighting for roster spots so these are the types of guys that would play in their bowl game to show like hey we've got something that you know NFL teams would want to see and then uh a lot of Penn State skill positions are underclassmen so they kind of have to play um and then I think Utah 
is like when I say they're behind the trend of players declaring for the draft um, and foregoing their bowl game, I feel like they have a lot of pride in going to the Rose Bowl. They had a lot of pride last year. They showed up against Ohio State, and if not for uh, some injuries, they probably would have pulled it off. Um, And I think this Utah team really does see the value in that. So I think this is going to be like the most competitive and most complete from the overall season. Um, and that's cool because Rose Bowl is one of the most important bowl games of, of the year. Um, so the granddaddy, of the granddaddy of them all. So to peak all of my interests, the sicko game will be Maryland, North Carolina state, but the two that I'm most excited for will be uh, the Cheez-Its citrus bowl. And then ultimately the Rose bowl outside of, of course, Michigan TCU and you know, whatnot. So, non-playoff bowl games i should say yeah i'm not even going to bring up michigan and ohio state because we'll dive into those games deeper as we get closer to them and they're by default the most exciting for obvious reasons but i'm going to go just a little bit more in depth on the penn state utah game i think that game is way more important for penn state than it is for utah because Utah, not that they're content by any means. Like, I'm sure they've got a really bad taste in their mouth from last year. Like you said, they were up on Ohio State big until Jackson Smith and Jigba put his Superman cape on and brought him back. So so Utah definitely cares about the game in terms of getting revenge. But as a program for Utah, back-to-back Pac-12 championships, back-to-back Rose Bowl appearances, like, like Utah's really happy. Their fan base is really happy. For Penn State, this year has been the almost it's almost one of the worst years you can have as a program and as a fan base because you know exactly what your team is and you know exactly what your team is not. Mm. Your team is way better than the garbage of the conference and even the middle of the road in the conference and they are way worse than the upper echelon of the conference. Like, I would almost rather my team be in one extreme or the other than just stuck in purgatory like Penn State has been for years now. And I'm growing very optimistic about what Penn State is going to look like next year. They've got this tandem set of freshman running backs who are awesome. Drew Aller is going to step in at quarterback and hopefully give them another level to go to. The defense played extremely well this year. We'll see how many people they bring back uh, into the season next year. But but let's say they lose this game to Utah. That's going to put the fans – like this will set the tone for what the expectations are next year. Either your fans and your program are going to go in saying – going going to go in off a loss and say, oh, crap. Like if we don't do it this year, like James Franklin might be looking for a job. or you go out and win against a really good Utah team in the Rose Bowl on national TV, the granddaddy of them all, and then you go into next year as a program and as a fan base really feeling yourself and talk about the talent you're bringing back and talking about all the things you can accomplish. And it's a completely different mindset going into next year as a program. So I think there are some pretty big implications for Penn State in the Rose Bowl. I would agree. And you know what Penn State is? 
they're a resume booster for the better team. Like that's true. I mean, we've only talked about Penn state as that ranked win that Ohio state and Michigan have had. And they're a beat up. It's like all of like those middle of the pack, like anywhere from that 11 to like, I guess 25 or I, I, you know, I'll put some more respect 20 anywhere from that 11 to 20 that are like good teams, but they're not going to do anything. That's what Penn State is right now. And that's kind of what Michigan was during the first few years of the Harbaugh era, in which I was content with it because I was used to seeing Michigan get smacked around by everybody. But then when they got back to at least relevance, that's what they were. They were a resume booster for Ohio State. They were a resume booster every other year for Penn State. Um, And they were, you know, a good team as compared to the rest of the teams in their conference, but they could never put it all together. So if Michigan was at a crossroads with Harbaugh, I would think that Penn State has to be uh, at a crossroads with Harbaugh because I think if you put yourself back in those shoes from a couple of seasons ago, Michigan fans were asking themselves the question, are we content with being a Florida, a LSU before the Joe Burrow year of like always being in the conversation in the mix? but never a true title contender. Are we okay with that? And you can make that choice, and it's not really like a right or wrong, but do you want more out of it? And can Franklin get you there? (sighs) I I don't know. I don't know if he can. Um, I don't know. But also – He did it it the one year with Trace McSorley and Saquon Barkley. Like, he he got them there. But even then, like, they got to – in terms of what there is, it was a Big Ten championship, but it wasn't a college football playoff yeah. berth because they tripped up too often early in the season. Like Ohio State got into the playoff over them that year, and Penn State just happened to win the right games in order to earn a trip to the Big Ten championship and eventually win. So even then, like when you look at what they've done since then, you probably look back as a Penn State fan and you're like, ooh, that might have been just – I mean, was that just a fluke? Like, was that just one blocked field goal? Was that the whole season? Or was that the stars like, aligning? Starting- for, was that our year, the stars aligning like the LSU, but we just couldn't capitalize on that? Right. Exactly. And we keep talking about the talent they're bringing back. Their left tackle, who would have been a first-round pick, is coming back. They've got a really, really good recruiting class right now. I forget where exactly they sit in the rankings, but it's a really good class. Like James Franklin needs to put the pieces of the puzzle together before someone comes along and just wipes them all off the table. I agree. I don't think there's really anything else to say about that. That's that's perfectly said. Penn State could be a program stuck in purgatory, which is odd to, to say because – they're in the Rose Bowl. <laughs> they're in a New Year's Six Bowl. But, and, you know, they, if, I mean, not if, I mean, but, in theory, if if a couple plays go right for them in the Ohio State game, like, who's to say they wouldn't be sure. in the top six right now? They would. But to your point, how long are Penn State fans going to be content with saying, oh, well, we're just a couple plays away? And, like, they're in the Rose Bowl, but – they're only getting to the Rose Bowl because there are two Big Ten teams. That's in the fair. Well, uh, there was the there was the rumor that 
uh, Penn State was going to go to the Rose Bowl over Ohio State because the Rose Bowl wasn't happy that Ohio State didn't sell out of their ticket allotment. Yes, that's true. I actually saw that too. But but if you're a Penn State fan, you're telling yourself, is the Rose Bowl a consolation prize? Which it shouldn't be, but it might feel like it if you're a Penn State fan. That's fair. But I have a question for you. Hypothetical question. So this is a lot of ifs, so I I get that. I'm going to try to limit it. If Penn State doesn't fall apart against Ohio State, because that was one of those games where the score doesn't necessarily tell you how close it was, I would say. Right. Um, If they beat Ohio State at home by a score, whatever it is, and then everything still holds, Michigan, you know, goes undefeated, wins the Big Ten, does Penn State get that four seed in the college football playoff with their only loss being to Michigan on the road? Oh, yeah, easily. Because look at their resume – like take the universe that we're in, take Ohio State and compare them to the universe that you just talked about in Penn State. They so Penn State would have a win over Ohio State. So that would be their like big time win, which, like their which top would have been 10 number win. two overall. Ohio State was second ranked team at that time. Correct. Yeah. The other win on Ohio State's schedule was Notre Dame. Uh, in Ohio, Ohio State schedule is Notre yep. Dame. A win over Ohio State this year is better than a win over Notre Dame. Yeah, and then and they would both have. And Penn State, I mean, Auburn was bad, but Penn State went to the SEC and won on the road. Yeah, Penn State demolished every single team they played, except for Northwestern, where they played in a hurricane. I don't think they demolished like, no, Auburn, did, or no, they did. Who? Didn't Penn State like beat Auburn by two scores? Oh, they beat them by way more than two wow. scores. Yeah, so they literally crushed everybody in their path except for Michigan and Ohio State. So, yes, if Ohio State, if they hang on to that lead, they're the four spot in the playoff easily. You're you're a couple Sean Clifford turnovers away from being in the playoff. So does that give you hope that's as a Penn State fan? Does, yeah, that's Does that, that's does that tell you to believe in James Franklin? I guess you, you answer that question after the Rose Bowl, but – you Literally, your your entire season changes if you played a full game against Ohio State. Yeah, outside of if you played a good like nine minutes and forty five seconds at the end of that game, you're in the four spot in the playoff, and it's a whole different story. Wow, that's crazy. I think they would get steamrolled by Georgia, but they would, but they'd make the playoff for the first time, and wow. that just. College football is crazy, man. It's about moments and it's about plays, and some teams make them and some teams don't. Uh, All right. We've exhausted Penn State a little bit. The Heisman Trophy ceremony is coming up this weekend, which I don't know about you. To me, over the last few years, maybe five or six years, the weight that I put in the Heisman Trophy has diminished a little bit as time goes on. Like, I know it's still really freaking awesome to win, but I feel like it had a lot more – luster as when I was a, a child, yeah. but regardless, we've got a Big Ten representative in it. Uh, CJ Stroud is invited again for the second year in a row, which is super impressive. Stetson Bennett is there as well, along with Max Duggan and Caleb Williams. Uh, if you don't know who those guys are, I'm not going to tell you. Go look it up. <laughs> you don't know who they are? You're so, an idiot, and you've never listened to this podcast ever, you dumb, stupid person. 
<laughs> basically. So I, I'll start out with my opinions on who should win this and who I think will win this and what Stroud's chances are. Uh, I think Caleb Williams is going to win this award. And I think it's due to two things. One, he's got better numbers than the rest of them in large part. Uh, let me pull him up really quick. So Caleb Williams, 4,075 yards, 37 touchdowns, and four interceptions. I believe these are just passing numbers too. Um, but you look at Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett's not even close. 20 touchdowns, six interceptions, not happening. C.J. Stroud, 37 touchdowns and six interceptions. So he's got fewer touchdowns, more interceptions than Caleb Williams. And then Max Duggan, he's actually got better numbers than I expected him to have. 30 touchdowns, four interceptions. Not the yardage, though, through the air for Max Duggan. Um, so I don't think Stroud has a shot of winning this. I think Caleb Williams is going to win it based off of numbers and based off of just what you feel and think when you watch him play football. Like, I didn't watch a lot of USC football. Every time I turned on the TV and USC was on or I saw a Caleb Williams highlight, I went, oh, that's that's the best player in college football. Like, that's the guy that goes to any program and elevates them into a college football playoff conversation because he's that good and that electric. Stroud, in a couple of games this year where Ohio State – really needed him to come through. It's not that he played bad, but he wasn't necessarily the guy who did it. Like in the Penn State game, it was JT Tuiomolau who came through for them in the clutch with a couple of big plays. In the Northwestern game, it was Stroud doing it with his legs a little bit on a couple of plays, but in large part, it was the run game. And then against Michigan, he just came up short and didn't make enough plays to get there and get the win. So you can't point to any moment of his season as like, oh, at that moment, I felt like I was watching the Heisman Trophy winner. And for Caleb Williams, you can do that. Personally, I don't even think Stetson Bennett should have been invited. No. I think this was a very strange year for the Heisman Trophy because if Hendon Hooker and Blake Corum don't get hurt, <sighs> both of them, both of them get invited over Max Duggan and Stetson Bennett. And to be honest, I wouldn't be shocked if Blake had won it, if he doesn't get hurt. Knowing what we know now about how Michigan finished the season, it's not its not by any means a stretch to say that Blake Corum would have won this award. But they're not there. Injuries happen. I think Caleb Williams has survived the season, and I think he's going to win it. I, I've got a few thoughts. Um, number one, very surprising to see four quarterbacks on this list. And I think a lot of people are pretty upset about that, given the fact that it's one of them is not Hendon Hooker because dude was a freak all year long and he gets hurt in what the last regular season game of the year or no, it was the second to last regular season game of the year, uh, and just a, a tragic yeah. injury. Um, so that's disappointing. I suppose, but all of these players are either in the college football playoff or were fighting for a college football playoff spot um, before the announcement came out. So I get that. I agree with you in the fact that Caleb Williams is probably the most electric college football player 
Uh, I remember watching some of his, like, just like peeking in on some of the West Coast games. Dude makes throws that no human should be able to make at all. Like running and then like doing like the jump pass throw, like with like the, I can't even, I can't even explain it in words, how complicated that throw was, but and he just throws a dot. Sick, just absolutely disgusting. Um, You say it's a weird year because you look at these four finalists. Do any of these guys have a Heisman moment? I, I think you, you explained it with C.J. Stroud. He doesn't have a Heisman moment. Stetson Bennett just is there because he's a defending national champion and he's on a you know 13-0 Georgia Bulldogs team. Uh, Caleb Williams is the most electric player, but he kind of coughed it up in you know some couple pretty big games. And that leaves us, once again, Corey talking about the TCU Horn Frogs and Max Duggan. Is Max Duggan a spectacular player? I don't know. Probably not, because he wasn't even the starter at the beginning of the year. But if you watch that Big 12 championship game, Max Duggan made a completely boneheaded mistake. I don't. That was maybe one of the worst interceptions in the end zone I've ever seen in my entire life. But that dude in the second half literally almost died on the field. That's how hard he was playing. He he scrambled, he rushed into the end zone, and he literally collapsed. And then they had to go for a two point conversion. They almost called a timeout so he could you know get his breath. You could literally see him physically exhausted, hunched over as he gets the ball from the shotgun and just throws to. He was pretty wide open. But if you want to talk about a Heisman moment, that final drive to put TCU into overtime. And to get them, or yeah, to get to get TCU to tie the game, put them into overtime, essentially cemented their spot in the college football playoff. You watch that drive, and I literally was saying, there is no way you can keep this team out of the playoff, regardless of what USC did, because USC lost in convincing fashion, part of which was some of the mistakes that Caleb Williams did. Max Duggan made some mistakes in that game. But he wasn't necessarily the entire reason why TCU lost. It was hard-fought game. Lots of things happen. Second time you're playing this team, top 10 team in a neutral site, and you lose by literally one score. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you that of the four guys, Max Duggan probably has the coolest on-field moment. I was watching that game against Kansas State, the Big 12 championship game. I mean, the, the dude was playing like Superman out there. He took over. I mean, he he took the game into his hands. He, like, yes, you just said it. He took over the game for TCU, and they do not – I mean, they sorry, they didn't win that game regardless, but they're not even in that game if it's not for him making the plays with his feet that he did. And I think if you're going to get anything close like that from Caleb Williams, it would be the UCLA game where they were just going back and forth, score for score, most of the night. I think that was an epic game for Caleb Williams. Uh, and he didn't pull it out against Utah, but Max Duggan didn't pull out a win against Kansas State either, which I think hurts his case a little bit. But regardless, I just don't think he's going to have – I don't think he has the stats to beat out a Caleb Williams. I just don't think he does. That's fair. I get that. But – 
this this award has never been just on stats alone. I mean, look at last year. Aiden Hutchinson, technically speaking, wasn't even the best defensive player stats-wise. But his impact in the Ohio State game, Big Ten Championship, and then the weeks leading up to it was the reason why he was invited to New York as a finalist and finished second, by the way, just behind Bryce Young, who, you know, frankly was a freak. And kind of a little Bryce Young. Bryce Young this year has better numbers than he did. And last he's not year even in the conversation because their team is any good. So that's why it's it's a weird combination of how good is your team? You know, do you have that moment? And are you playing meaningful football at the end of the year? Uh Bryce Young, I guess, didn't have that moment. He has the stats, but his team wasn't in the conversation towards the end of the year. That's why these four guys are here. And and if you're going to go, okay, that's why these four guys are here, and you want to talk about a Heisman moment, I think you have to take Bennett and Stroud off the table because they do not have a definitive I, moment in this season to separate themselves I as agree. the best player in college football. So take them out of the equation, and now you have Caleb Williams and Max Duggan. These are the only two guys that analysts should be talking about because Stetson Bennett, I think he's good, and he made Michigan look silly last year, but he does have a benefit from a very big talent pool. And C.J. Stroud, in the biggest moments, Ohio, an Ohio State quarterback losing two games in a row to Michigan hasn't happened in two decades. And yet this is a guy who's a Heisman finalist two years in a row. Your two biggest games of the year, you haven't won, and you haven't looked good in those games. Why are you even in consideration for this award? I get it. He's a talent, whatever, blah, 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 blah. My fan bias is showing. Take these two guys. Take what they did on the field. Take what they mean to their team. I think they're much, much closer than you think. And I would not be surprised if Williams or Duggan win this award by like the slimmest of margins. So it's a weird year. I think it's going to be the closest race that we've seen in the Heisman Trophy uh, voting in most recent memory. Um, But it's going to be between those two guys. I think Stroud and Bennett are just there because they're three and four in the voting. And, but I don't think they're anywhere close to those, to those two guys at all. So this is the last time I'll bring up Blake Corum because I love the guy and I feel so, I mean, for guys like Jackson Smith and Jigba and Blake Corum, like you just feel for them to not be able to go out there in such an important year and their team's playing so well. But as a, in regards to the Heisman conversation, we're talking about guys who like, yeah, Max Duggan had a really cool Heisman moment, but like it didn't come in a win. Caleb Williams has has looked great, but it, you know he didn't do it in the Big Twelve Championship games. So like his Heisman moment is against UCLA. Blake Corum was having a Heisman season up until the Ohio State game, and if you if you just replace Blake Corum and put him in Donovan Edwards runs the big runs that Donovan Edwards has had the last two weeks. Blake Corum's the Heisman Trophy winner. Easy. I would agree with that. He would have he would have two Heisman moments. He'd have the the big runs against Ohio State to seal it and put them away. And then you know that first run of the second half. Now obviously there's no telling if the exact same run would have happened, but winning the two biggest games on your schedule at the end of the year and being the primary reason or one of the primary reasons that you do it, Blake Corum might be the front runner for the Heisman if he doesn't get hurt. And 
there's no way to know if it would have been true, but that's just what my gut and my amazing blue heart tell me. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions here. I'm in a hypothetical uh, mood. Okay. Let's, let's look at, and it'll be biased. I'll get it. But I also want to give some credit to where I think we haven't given credit to. Um, number one, Hutchinson has his year last year, this year. Does he win the Heisman? No. Wow. Uh, wow. Why? Um, I don't think we'll ever see a defensive player win the Heisman again. Hmm. I think quarterbacks are putting up too many unreal numbers to keep them from winning the award. Now, I think, I think Aiden, he, he finished second in the voting last year. I think if he was in it this year and at the same season, he would have gotten a lot closer in terms of even the number of votes. He finished second but I think he in voting finished. last year. He would have gotten closer? Yeah, I, know, I think it would have been, the margin would have even been slimmer this year, but I don't think we'll ever see a Heisman, a Heisman go to a defensive player again. I think we need a separate award that is a Heisman for defensive players. I think that would be a really cool award that is necessary because you've got guys like Hutchinson and Will Anderson and Jadavion Clowney and Indomitian Sue and Aaron Donald, guys like that who don't get to be recognized on the highest stage of college football unless they're on a really, 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 really good team. And it's really unfortunate. Or we just need to define the Heisman Trophy as college football MVP because we've seen in the NFL, we have an offensive player of the year, we have a defensive player of the year, and we've seen some defensive players win MVP. Um, but that's because they're the most valuable to their team. Um, so if we do that, let's define, let's define these things, um, and not just be like yeah. this, like Suedo, you know, whatever best quarterback award. I agree. It's a very weird award that I think the definition has changed over the years. That could be a whole episode in and of itself, but, um, all right, we've got a question. I've got no, I've got another listen. question. I've got more questions. Right, Help ahead, me off, boss man. <laughs> I've given this team so much crap because I hate them. Truly. <laughs> Who are you gonna talk about? Kenneth Walker. The third. <gasps> You're gonna bring this up. I'm gonna bring it up because I think it should be brought up. Michigan fans were so easy to to troll Michigan State fans like, oh, LOL, Kenneth Walker's not in the Heisman. Personally, I think he should have been. I think that was a travesty that he wasn't represented. And especially seeing what we're seeing now with a Caleb Williams who's not in the playoff, two-loss, Pac-12 team. They played in the championship game, so I guess it's a little bit different. But they're not in the playoff, and they're not anywhere close to it. Why is Kenneth Walker's season last year not talked about in the same regards as Blake Corum's season this year, as far as Heisman tendency or Heisman snub or Heisman, you know, capabilities. Why is that not the same? Because while personally I think Blake Corum had an exceptional season, and I would even argue more impressive because not only, I mean, everyone knew that Michigan State's offense ran through Kenneth Walker. Um, but I think the usage was a little bit – I could be completely off. I'd have to dive into the stats. This is just a question that I thought about. But Blake Corum was running the ball 30 times a game and was still 
busting off for 100, 150, 180, 200 yards. Why yeah. are these two not closely talked about? I think because Blake Corum didn't play the whole year, uh, people just automatically disqualify players that don't play the entire year. Like, look at Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker has better numbers than Stetson Bennett, not in terms of yardage, but in terms of touchdowns and interceptions, and he's not invited to the Heisman Trophy ceremony. Why? Because he didn't play the whole year. And Stetson Bennett has, and his team's been really good. And he's been really good, but I think that's like a that's like an unspoken qualification for being considered for the Heisman is that you have to play the whole year, which is unfortunate because Hendon Hooker and Blake Corum are two of the four best players in college football this year, and they're not going to be at the Heisman Trophy ceremony. Sure, okay, but why? Because we think Blake Corum is this monstrosity of a snub. Why don't we think the same way of Kenneth Walker? Because we're Michigan fans. Okay, well, besides <laughs> the obvious, why don't we? Why isn't there the media outrage for that? Because Kenneth Walker had the Heisman moment against Michigan. He didn't show up against yeah. Ohio State, so maybe that's what hurts him in the end. But if that's the argument, then C.J. Stroud didn't show up against Michigan. Caleb Williams didn't show up against Utah. Stetson Bennett really has yeah. just... I think, it's easy. I think it's easy for the committee when there's no obvious choice to just say, ah, let's just invite four quarterbacks and four healthy quarterbacks who have played the whole year. I genuinely think it's just like... I think it's just a cop-out. Genuinely. Yeah. I just, if, let's... Let's have some transparency here. I, I'm I'm more interested now to see the total, like the top 10 voting. Let's see how far off that was Ooh, yeah. Yeah. As, as opposed to the top four. I don't care about the top four. I already know what's going to happen. It's going to be Caleb Williams and Max Duggan at the top, and then it's going to be a large gap, and it's going to be C.J. Stroud. It's going to be C.J. Stroud, maybe even a larger gap with Stetson Bennett. I think Stetson Bennett is going to be the worst, like, oh. like fourth, like, finishing Heisman finalist in the history of the award. And that's, that is not to say about his talent on the field. I'm not saying he's a horrible, he's obviously a very good player. He's a national champion. Like you don't, you don't suck and be a national and be a national championship or be a national championship winning quarterback. That doesn't happen. But as far as caliber of player, he says men shouldn't even be in that conversation at all. Not one bit. And as far as importance to the player or is importance to the team, and having your moment, Caleb Williams and Max Duggan are they don't compare to those other two quarterbacks, CJ Stroud and Stetson Bennett. But where does Hooker fall? Where does Corum fall? Where does uh Bijan Robinson fall? Because people were saying stuff about him, you know. Where does Michael Penix fall, who had a phenomenal season? Where does where does the quarterback from UCLA? I get J uh J D T R, is that his name? Jalen Doran. Oh, oh yeah. It's like Dorian Thompson Robinson yeah. or something. DTR. Yeah, DTR. Okay. So where does he fall? I'm yeah. more interested to see that list and see how far up those guys were from the rest of the top four. Or how close CJ Stroud and Stetson Bennett were to Blake Corum, Hendon Hooker, so on and so forth. Yeah, I would be interested to see that too. The Heisman is a very it's turned into a very obscure quarterback award, which is unfortunate because I don't think that's what it's meant to be. Yeah. But like I said, we could do a deep dive into why the Heisman isn't what it used to be, but but we do have a question from somebody. Uh, I want to do. I'm going to start doing this on a weekly basis. I think 
uh, even in the off season, you know, when we make episodes is have you guys give us questions to answer and stuff to talk about on the podcast. Like what do you want us to talk about? So I put it on the gram today and we got a question from big dog Torg is an Instagram handle. Noah Torg is his name. So Noah asked us, do we think, or yes, will any teams in the big 10 as it's currently constructed, will any of them leave as a result of all this conference realignment? So what do you think, Corey? Well, oh, let me start out by saying we literally have zero insider information and zero connections, but we follow a lot of people and rumors on Twitter. So take that for what it's worth. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I haven't seen of anybody leaving per se. I haven't seen me anything of that. Um, truly, the only team I can think of that would leave or has a chance of leaving. Honestly, is Maryland um, because they're a Big Ten team that doesn't really fit with the football scheme. And this could be – I could be overlooking this because we're, we're talking – we're a football-based podcast talking about a conference that has these teams in there for reasons that just go beyond football. So everybody's no-brainers like, why not kick Rutgers out? Well, Rutgers is in solely because the Big Ten now has a New York market. And that's why UCLA and USC are in because now they have the LA market. So now they have the the three biggest markets represented in their in their conference, regardless of if the teams are any good or not. And that's more important for TV deals than anything else. So Rutgers isn't going anywhere. USC, UCLA are not going anywhere. Northwestern isn't going anywhere because they're a prominent member. Maryland doesn't have the history. They are West Coast. And I guess they would be a rival with Rutgers, but you can keep that in conference realignment stuff. Um, and honestly, they just don't necessarily fit in the football landscape. And I would argue like basketball, they play a little bit of a different style as well. Um, they're a good baseball school. I think they're a decent wrestling because Big Ten likes wrestling as well. And they're they're a pretty good school they're too. good and big 10 kind of is a good lacrosse conference they have johns hopkins as a as a honorary member uh in the conference um they play acc football <laughs> and they play acc yeah. basketball so yeah i, I yeah I an mean, interesting take because because like you said, they just don't seem to fit brand-wise with how the sport is played in the conference. Uh, but they do have the D.C. market, which, again, for TV deals, this is the thing with conference realignment. TV deals and the money going on behind the scenes matters more than the actual competitive yes. landscape, which is why Rutgers is in the Big Ten. And why they'll never leave. Because and why they'll never leave because they want someone in New York in the Big Ten. If there was a better suitor to come along that would actually help the competitive market for the Big Ten, <clears throat> maybe you could see some type of swap basically where they kick Rutgers out and bring another team in, like a Syracuse or something. But until further notice, I think Rutgers is staying in the conference. Uh, to be honest, I, I don't see any team that is currently in the conference. Uh, leaving you had to pick at one. least not if I had to choose one yeah 
and it can't be Rutgers like, because I, for reasons that we've talked about. Um, yeah, if it were my choice, my preference, it would be Rutgers. But I think the most likely would – I think it would be Nebraska. Mm. And I don't think it would be because they leave and get demoted – I think they would leave and either return to the Big 12 or go to the SEC to be reunited with like Oklahoma and Texas and their old Big 12 buddies. I think that would be the most likely scenario for Nebraska. Uh, not necessarily my choice. I love having Nebraska as a brand. But there's been talks for years about how Nebraska like doesn't really fit in the Big 10 and how they just belong in the Big 12. They like they live and breathe Big 12 football. They just feel that way. And I think if any team in the Big 10 was going to leave and be shuffled around in all this conference realignment, I think it'd be Nebraska. Wow. I mean, I would think the same thing, but that to go to the SEC, you came to the Big 10, you made it to the Big 10 championship, and I think your first year, but that's because you had Nindamakan Sue, who was an absolute specimen of a defensive player. You go from the Big Ten, which you have not been able to figure out, and go to the SEC. That's your first choice. Now, I mean, not your first I choice, wouldn't, but like, I would stay. No, I wouldn't talk about the. I wouldn't necessarily talk about the SEC in that same light, though. Like top to bottom, this year the SEC was far superior to the Big Ten. But there have been multiple years in the past seven to eight years that the SEC had the better elite teams in terms of Bama and LSU, but as a, con- in a but as a whole conference, the big 10 was better mm-hmm. in a lot of those years because Kentucky wasn't any good. Vanderbilt wasn't any good. Um, Mississippi state and Ole Miss weren't any good, still not, but some of those guys actually made it into the ranks of the top 25 this year. So, so I don't think the SEC would intimidate Nebraska, but when you think about Nebraska playing Oklahoma and Texas every year, that makes you feel good as a college football fan. And I feel the same way about Nebraska playing like Iowa and things like that. But when you think about just the tradition of college football in Nebraska, you think about them in the big 12. You do. But I think, I I think the big 10 makes sense solely because of like that Midwestern like view, which is why they made the move initially too. And they also were like, Oh, we're, we're good. We're too good for this conference. We're going to go in and we're going to dominate another. And that obviously did not happen. Um, I, I I like the point that you brought up. It feels right that Nebraska and Oklahoma should play every year. It just feels, it feels like it should be that way. Um, we're talking about conference realignment and I don't want to get off topic, but if there is one thing, Corey's wish list for conference realignment, as we get to these mega super conferences, I want you to have a forever contract against at least one traditional rival outside of your conference. If we're going to do love- if we're going to do these mega conferences thing, we're going to do away with like locational conference, okay. That's fine. You give me one locational rival cuz like you hate Ohio State because they're so close to you. Outside of it, and you, the hatred is like amplified between Michigan, Michigan State because they're so close; they're in the same state. Michigan hates Notre Dame because of the history and the tradition that was established. Michigan's non-conference, locked in forever on the schedule, has to be Notre Dame. Just 
I love that as a rule. Like give give Oregon Oregon State, give give Iowa Iowa State, yes. like give I that would be absolutely give Nebraska incredible. Oklahoma. Give uh Oklahoma or I guess they would the two of them would have that would be tough with Oklahoma and Oklahoma. Give give Clemson South Carolina. Yes. Give Florida Florida State. Give uh I mean, Alabama doesn't have anybody really, but just to throw whoever in the heck there and that, that'll be fine. But give uh, well, Notre Dame kind of does. Give USC Notre Dame too. Yeah. Well, they do that anyway. I think that's that's a forever game that's not going to go. like. And then Notre Dame's going to play Stanford all the time too. Like, right. I, I, don't, yeah. I honestly don't understand how Notre Dame's going to survive in this mega conference thing. I don't. You know what's going to happen? They're going to be forced to join a conference because only conference champs get a shot at the top four by. Unless you're Ohio State. Unless you're Ohio State. Hey, they'll and then, and then you can lose by 22 Ohio. points on your home field and, and then still make it into the playoff. That's what I, I. This is what we didn't talk about that I really wanted to talk about. I wanted to dissect the top four. This does not. I know. I saw it. I saw what happened with USC. I get it. I'm going really off topic. I'm getting unhinged, but it is 11:38 at night, and I do not care. I don't get to talk a whole lot, so I'm going to let you going to let you have it. It does not sit right with me that because Ohio State lost by 22 points earlier, as opposed to a USC losing by 22 points later, that Ohio State gets to go to the playoff. Because essentially, you can break it down at this level. USC in Ohio State have lost to one team. USC has two losses, but it's to the same team. Okay? That's it's different. I get it. I understand, but we penalized yeah. USC for playing in an extra game that they had to play in because they were better than everybody else in their conference. They you they I mean, you can look at it that they were penalized or you can look at it as like, all right, you've got a shot to prove to us now that you get a second shot at this team that nobody in the country views as a top four, top five, top six football team in Utah. If you want to show that you're one of the top four and we give you two tries at a team that we believe is not close to the top four, you have to beat them once. You have to beat them okay. once. That's fine. Rank them five. Don't rank them four. Because it looks like you penalized them for playing in their conference champion. If you didn't think USC was good enough to be in the college football playoff outside of conference championship weekend, which is what you looked at with Georgia, Michigan, TCU was undefeated. They lost their conference champion. They did not move in the final rankings. Because the committee's like, well, they were good enough right now, as if the season ended today. If you didn't think USC was good enough, which is what every analyst in the country was saying, rank them five, put Ohio State at four. Because now, as a USC player, I know you got blitzed, and you probably don't feel like you deserve to be in the playoff anyway. But essentially, if you didn't play that game, you're in the playoff. And what's to say it's like cough, cough, uh, and you start actually testing for COVID again? 16 of our guys have COVID. Eight of them are on defense. Like, this isn't what the team, this isn't what the team, and then you, you're you pulled from that. Because that's, I'm not saying that Ohio State did that, but 
Ohio no. State got an exception, and they should have because they were one of the four best teams in the country in the COVID year. Um, but the yeah. rules at the beginning of the season was you had to play in six conference games to, to be eligible for the uh, Big Ten championship. And because it ended up being Ohio State undefeated, they made it and they went. And then they won the Big Ten. I mean, uh, win your games and you go. Win your win your games, but don't don't rank a team at that spot if you don't think they were good enough to make it. Because, uh, yeah, you're. I mean, because Ohio do you State, think Ohio, Ohio State, State didn't win their game, and they go answer answer this question. But they they lost their game to a better team. So, okay, so answer this question. They had it at home and they lost by twenty two points. But Ohio State also went on the road and demolished a basically top ten team. And USC went on the road and lost to a top ten team. So okay, answer point. this question then. But they lost. They lost by a An- point. Answer this question. Answer. Ohio State didn't lose on the road to a really but good. But they team. lost at home by twenty two points to a really good team. USC lost in the neutral site to a really good team. Yeah, and it was to a team that maybe just frankly has their number. They were as Ethan and you said, it's a bad matchup for them. But that's that's. That's the cards. Them's the cards. Be a matchup-proof team. All right. Answer this question: Is Ohio State one of the top four teams yes, in the country this year? They are. Okay. Okay. But do we do we agree that the college football playoff has the top four teams in the country? Because I guess we're going to see truly if if TCU is a top four. But everybody's in like kind of, oh TCU is not a top. If they played in the there's, SEC, there's, if they played in the SEC, they wouldn't be you know twelve and zero going in the conference championship. Do we? I mean. They deserve to be there. Right. There's the best, and then there's the most deserving. TCU, Michigan, and Georgia are – Georgia and Michigan are the best and most deserving. TCU is the most deserving, and Ohio State is the best. Right. So what – but what's – what are we ranking higher? Are you the most deserving or are you the best? Resume. But are we doing resume? Ohio State has a better win and a better loss than Okay, Kansas State's got wins against – not as good as Ohio no, State. No, they beat the number three team in the country. They also lost to the number three they team. They also in the lost country. the number three team in the country, but they didn't lose by twenty two points. And they also lost multiple sure, games in Ohio that's State. Fine. Did. Alabama lost two games by a combined total of four points. Yeah, but Bama also uh, we could play this we, we could, could play this game whole, the whole time. That's what I'm saying. It just doesn't what do you think we need do you think they got it right? Unfortunately, yes. I do too. But are we going, That's the thing, are we going off that you of keep... what's the most deserving or the best? We need this is what we need to oh. but we need to have this like clarified that we need to have a standard which we don't. And that's why we're going for expansion in the college football playoff. We don't have a standard in how some teams, okay, they're the most deserving, they're gonna go. Some teams, well, they're probably the best, so they're gonna go. What's the standard? Because this is why we're having no, you're this conversation. You're absolutely right. The playoff will – I won't say the playoff will fix this, but it's going to be – it's going to resemble an NFL model where it's like, okay, win your conference, you're guaranteed to be in. They've got automatic bids. And then from there it's like that? highest rank. Because huh? are you sure about that? Because Utah, three-loss team, and Kansas State, a three-loss team, they're Big 12 and Pac-12 champions. You're going to put them in the playoff automatically and get a bye? Th- those are the rules. 
but then, Those then Alex, we're, we're like, not talking about most deserving or the best. No, but you are talking about concrete rules, which is what you're saying. Get rid of the semantics. Just have concrete criteria in terms of you win this game, you go. It's just like the NFL where, you know, uh, a seven and whatever team can win their division and they're not going to be as good as a second place division team in another division, but they get to go automatically because they won their division. Like it's not necessarily fair, but at least it's concrete and there's a definite right and wrong in ter- and instead of the semantics that we have now, the, that is what you're talking about, what you're bringing up as the issue, the most deserving, the best It's going to be like, Nope, win your conference. And then we'll follow the rankings from there. Best group of five team, whatever, yada, yada, yada. But there will be more concrete rules with the 12 team playoff. It's not going to get rid of this because the back end of it won't necessarily have that, but the top will. I just, I just hate team team sits on their couch after a blowout loss gets rewarded. I hate that. I agree, but, and I guess I would hate blowout loss team gets rewarded for, but that's a different story because they got to that game solely because they were better than everybody else in their conference. But you would also hate if you're Ohio State being like, listen, it's not our fault the rest of the Big Ten sucks and we only got to play Penn State and Michigan. But then you go back to the conversation with Michigan. It's not our fault that we beat everybody else, but we couldn't beat the juggernaut that was Ohio State at the end of the year, and they never got to go to the Big Ten championship. A couple of years. And and in 2016, if I believe it was either Colorado or Virginia Tech had won their conference championship game, Michigan would have backed into the playoff too. We could do this all day, man. We could do this all day, but we don't have the you time. You want to know right what? You want to know what I think? I think JT was yeah. short. He was short. Let's dedicate the whole. Let's take an off-season episode and just dedicate it to why JT was short. We'll bring on an expert and everything. Uh, thank you, Noah, for the question. We definitely got off-topic at the end of that, but. That was a cool conversation about the uh, conference realignment stuff. So thank you for that, and thank you, you know, for listening. To answer your question of what teams gonna, uh, what team should leave the Big Ten in conference realignment? The college football playoff is stupid, and there's no basis. That's your answer. Oh my gosh! Wow, the tracks just disappeared at the end there. Uh, no one's leaving the Big Ten, Noah. No one's leaving the Big Ten. Okay, well, that does it for us. Thank you for listening. Again, if you haven't, follow, subscribe, leave reviews, all that stuff. Follow us on Instagram at Big Show Pod. You can submit questions for us to answer while we're recording. Uh, Hope you enjoyed this regular season of college football. I know I did, and it's sad that it's coming to a close. And for some people, their teams are already done. For some, there's only one game left. And for some of us, there might be two. We'll see. But Regardless, we love the sport. Keep sticking with us through the offseason and through bowl games and all that stuff. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you next week. See ya. See ya.